What does another trip to the Rose Bowl mean for this Utah football program? And how does Deion Sanders going to Colorado affect Utah? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Appreciate all of you who have supported the show. Last week was our highest viewed ever ever week on YouTube because of you guys. So appreciate all you guys. So make sure to like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at JT Wistersill as well as at Locked On Utes. And love interacting with you guys in those YouTube comments. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Excited to be joined by Dante Guardi of Ute Zone for this one. And Dante, we're all still on the high of last Friday. I mean, just an incredible performance by this Utah team. But now we get to look forward to something in a Rose Bowl berth. Utah matched up with Penn State, and it's their second consecutive year in the Rose Bowl. It's just incredible. And just another example of we've seen the stats of how many times Utah has popped up in the college football rankings. They've been one of the most frequent teams since its inception. And it's games like this and moments like this, opportunities like this that just reaffirm that. And whenever you go back to back as a conference champion, just huge for your brand and with all the world and the craziness of realignment you never know what's on the horizon and all this Utah team continues to do is put themselves in a great position to be in the top of whatever the future of college football is because they are one of the best programs right now and it's going to be really fun to see how it all goes down in the Rose Bowl but even if it ends in another tough loss for the Utes back-to-back conference champs this program is in an unbelievable place right now. Yeah, it's an unreal feeling. Definitely the best week of Utah athletics probably ever knocking off Arizona Thursday night, obviously beating the Trojans on Friday night, and then the running use picking up another big conference win today. So really awesome for the brand. And being back-to-back conference champions, it really helps you in recruiting because it gives you that leg up over USC, Oregon, Washington, those other teams who are pretty much competing against you for some of these high-profile players on the West Coast. And it gives you that momentum boost heading into your bowl game. You know, Penn State didn't have that. Penn State doesn't have a single-ranked win this year. They're still a very good team with some tremendous athletes. But Utah has that um, little momentum boost that they got from beating USC by the amount they did and on the stage they did in front of pretty much the entire nation. Um, so it's a fantastic thing, back-to-back. No, no real complaints there at all. It's fantastic to see uh, this team earned it uh, through and through. They, they played hard throughout the game. It showed Utah was mentally tough. USC, not so much. They got, they're tackling their own players. Thomas Yasmin's running over their All-American safety. You know, just a plethora of things. Players on both sides of the ball chipping in. Sione Vake played really well. Uh, Simote Peppa did his thing once again. Gabe Reed and Mohamed Diabate filling in. And not to mention Connor O'Toole filling in for Van Fillinger. Yeah. Uh, Joan Ellis, guys who couldn't compete. And then you also see Money Parks filling in. Devon Vela, he only returned punts. He couldn't play actual wide receiver. Yeah. So it's great to see some of these other guys chipping in. Jalen Dixon cheered that early fumble, but he made up for it with that crucial touchdown to end the first half. And obviously that Money Parks um, touchdown was something something spectacular. You know, that breakaway speed was awesome. Um, at, right after the moment of loudness as well, it just couldn't get any better than that. So um, really awesome weekend for Utah sports, especially football. Great to be back-to-back champions and great to get back to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you mentioned the Money Parks play. I mean, and that was a ball that Cam threw behind him a little bit. Talk about not hitting your guy in stride. Money had to, like, kind of stop and jump for it, and they still weren't able to bring him down, and it's credit to him for the speed and, like, a 
wow, that's some really bad tackling, which is something that I thought I saw the worst tackling I was going to see in a football game this year when I watched the Florida tape back, but <laughs> that was not the case after watching Friday's game. And it was just an incredible game. And I think and focusing in on it a little bit more, I think having some, we have more time to continue to reflect and talk about it. One of the things that I was just so impressed by is just how Utah won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Yes, they're Utah's offensive line didn't let up a sack the last time they played USC, but they didn't. No running back really had a really good day. We saw Mackay Bernard and Jail and, um, excuse me, uh, Quinton Jackson do a lot of really good things in this one. Have that success, and then the defensive line. I mean, credit Morgan Scally for putting the guys in positions to succeed. But Connor O'Toole getting home for a sack—that was something that was so great to see. He's a guy who's been making progress all season long since week one, when Anthony Richardson is making him look ridic- ridiculous on every single option play, pretty much. And we mentioned guys like Diabate. His low light of the season is that Florida game where he misses a tackle. And then he's in this game forcing fumbles against a USC offense that hadn't fumbled the ball all season too. So just awesome, incredible moments. And I, and Samote Peppa, what he was able to do on the interior, Mickey Sugutaraga playing so much on the interior. I thought he did a monster job taking on a lot of those double teams. We know what Gabe Reed can do, but for this Utah team, a team that has been so up and down in the trenches all season to have their best performance in the championship game was incredible. And all the credit in the world to guys like, Luther Ellis and of course coach Harding because the job they've done with this group and developing them over the course of the season sensational yeah no doubt these assistants are fantastic um Colton Swan even just all the positions are just coming together and the defense especially has really progressed throughout the course of this season and it really showed um against the Trojans obviously Caleb Williams is a little bit banged up which limited his mobility a little bit but I mean, he still made some spectacular plays, even with that injury. But when yeah. it mattered most, Utah stepped up. You know, that interception that he threw had nothing to do with his did nothing to do with his hamstring. You know, he was staring at, at that side of the field the entire time. They lined up trips yep. on the on the short side of the field, which really helped Utah compress and gave um, R.J. Hubert a really easy read. Caleb Owens was looking that way the entire time. R.J. Hubert read it perfectly, made made sure to keep his feet in bounds, and had a nice return as well, which was kind of the play that put the nail in the coffin for USC. Obviously, there were some plays before that that kind of gave Utah that little bit of momentum to get them over the top but I feel like that play was the real nail in the coffin for USC and really solidified Utah becoming back-to-back Pac-12 champions yeah it was plays like that and moments like that that made it so incredible and also just to be there in person watching the game I know you were as well it was just so awesome to see all the Utah fans continue to show up and show out the energy in the stadium I there was a lot of talk about what the crowd was Personally, from the box, I felt like it was 70-30 Utah. It was hard because USC, all their fans were right below us in the press box. That's where it was like I was trying to figure it out. But I I felt like it was 70-30 Utah, which is a testament to this fan base. Did did you feel the same way? Yeah, I I would say there were definitely more Utah fans. You could really feel it when a certain team would score, and especially the moment Mm -hmm. of loudness, seeing all those uh, flash points in the air. I mean, it was just an incredible amount. So you can obviously tell that Utah really brought it. A little bit tougher to tell because the teams are very similar colors, but I would say that. Um, the crowd definitely favored Utah, probably closer to 65, 35, in my opinion. But I mean, we're both right there. You know, we were both in agreement that it was definitely favoring Utah and you could really feel it. And I think the players really fed off that um, being yeah. down early 17 to three. The, the fans were still into it. People were still cheering as loud as they could. And the players really bought into that and brought their A game later on. Um, and that showed as Utah outscored USC, but 44 to seven um, down the stretch of the game, something ridiculous like that. So, I mean, obviously the fans make a difference as they always do. I'm expecting more of the same in the Rose Bowl, um, probably a little bit more Penn State than there were USC fans of the Pac-12 championship yeah. game. But I mean, it's still going to be a fantastic crowd um, from the Utah faithful. And um, you can really feel the players uh, buy into that and it gets them motivated to bring their A game day in and day out. You can really feel it. And one thing you could feel in that game was just the different turning points it had. 
I said the turning point to me in the, in yesterday's show was when the Trojans, when Jalen Dixon had just fumbled, Trojans run it twice, they don't get much, throw it on third in completion. I'm like, oh, they're going to punt it and pin us. And they decided to go for it on fourth down from the at the Utah 40, and they don't get it and give Utah a short field. The Utah offense that the drive before that went three and out and then just turned the ball over. Utah had no offensive momentum at that moment, and then the Trojans make that mistake, give Utah the short field. It was Utah's game the rest of the way. That's when I really felt like the turning point was in this game. Did you see another moment, and was there just another big takeaway that you had watching this game? The big moment for me, honestly, was seven – or, well, we were down 14 to three at the time. Then Clark Phillips breaks up that slant route by Jordan Addison. Yeah, forcing the rest of the At that point in the game, a field goal just felt like a stop. Like, it doesn't matter. As long as you're not scoring seven, sure. like, that's a, that's a success for Utah's defense. And for your best player to make a play on USC's best player at a point in the game where USC could have just took it to Utah and really blown the thing out of the water and made it ugly um, and forced a field goal, keeping Utah within two possessions. I mean, that was huge. And then all of a sudden Utah's defense starts getting back into it. Um, Sione, or Sione Vaki forces those two pass breakups on third and fourth down, which were extremely crucial. And then all of a sudden Utah's offense just started pounding the rock and chewing clock, keeping Caleb off the field. I mean, mm-hmm. that first half was a masterclass by Kyle Whittingham. He had yeah. Lincoln Riley in the doghouse, essentially. Lincoln Riley <laughs> earned two timeouts extremely early. Kyle Whittingham kept his composure, didn't call a single timeout. And that really showed down the stretch when Utah was able to control the clock and somehow get that game tied. You know, after that half, I was saying that was one of the worst halves of Utah football I've seen this season, uh, probably second worst behind the uh, the first half of the Oregon game. And then all of a sudden it was like, if we're tied, I mean, the best is yet to come from this Utah football team. And it definitely was. Um, USC was clearly fatigued. Utah wasn't phased whatsoever, despite being on the field for a long amount of time. The offensive lineman really um, broke the game open in the second half just bursting open holes for all of Utah's running backs to go through. And then obviously that hit that Cam Rising took, I mean, that was a huge, huge hit. Personally, I don't think it was targeting. I thought it was just great football. I agree. Uh, I disagree. I thought it was just fantastic football. And you see Cam's reaction to it. I mean, he loved it. And after that play, you can really tell uh, the players were angry and wanted to just get after it. Uh, after the game, Cam said that JJ was more mad about it than I was. Cam honestly had no idea. He he tried to blow it off in the post game. It was nothing. (laughs) which was hilarious and honestly fantastic given that USC's quarterback was limping around the entire game. It really, and Cam took a hit probably a hundred times harder than Caleb took all night and brushed it off. Like it was nothing. was still able to go out there to compete at a high level and lead Utah to a 23 point victory. And I want to say it would have been nice to score 48 just to double up USC's score. I feel like that would make the score line look a little bit nicer, but I mean, who am I to complain, you know, back to back, back 12 champs. Um, Fantastic showing from the guys and looking forward to more great football as, as we progress that one last game. Mm-hmm. I, and I said this yesterday too, but I do feel like with Caleb, I mean, that was, I still feel like that was an incredibly gutsy performance to him to stay out there because you're right. The hit, the cam took was worse than the other one, but it was clear the amount of pain he was in. I was impressed. He kept getting up after every time he got hit, he was basically skipping around the field and it wasn't because he was trying to show off. It was because he literally couldn't walk basically and somehow still found ways to get away. So an incredible performance by him. And yeah, you just mentioned it all the plays by Vaki and those guys too. It was such a special performance by this Utah team that allowed them to repeat as PAC 12 champions and, Man, is it good to be the Kings two years in a row, and now youths will look to do it in the Rose Bowl. We're going to talk about someone who could be Utah, a thorn in Utah's side for the next few years in primetime himself, Deion Sanders, joining the Colorado Buffs as their head coach in a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys about the sponsor of this episode in Omaha Steaks. Guys, Omaha Steaks has a holiday sale that you have got to cash in on. You can get 30%, you can get $30 off your order by using promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKEDON, all caps, 
no space. Use the great give the great gift of Omaha Steaks when you are sent to to a family or friend. The quality, the convenience, and everything you need to deliver an unforgettable holiday gift experience. The Omaha Steak is America's original butcher since 1917, and a holiday gift that's guaranteed to be loved. It's always so stressful and hard to figure out what that perfect gift can be. So why not give an easy gift, a great steak like the butcher's cut, flamin' young, air chili, boneless chicken, ultra juicy burgers, and even easy to prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship in your order right now. So always shop easy at Omaha Steaks and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKED at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today knowing you're, that you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com using promo code LOCKEDON at the checkout to get the extra $30 off your order. The world's best beef naturally aged for the ultimate in tenderness, juiciness, and flavor. That's Omaha Steaks. All right, coming back into this one, Dante. Deion Sanders going to Colorado. Thought it was a great decision by him to take the job. I thought it was a Power 5 job, an awesome opportunity for him. I also love the hire. If you're Colorado, when you are in the cellar, of college football. We've talked about it at numerous points on this show. The worst team in power five right now is Colorado. What do you do to get out of the gutter? You got to take a big swing and it doesn't get any bigger than Deion Sanders. And I really think long-term, I do think it's going to work. I think this is a really good hire. Honestly, just in general, it just makes me more excited to play Colorado. I've talked numerous times about how it's just not a rivalry week in college football is so special. It is not special to go play Colorado for this Utah football team. When Utah has dominated the rivalry and there's really no suspense there, there's no history, there's no tradition. And look, there's still not going to be that, but there's Deion Sanders that adds a whole level of story and intrigue and everything into that. It makes it so exciting. I really think he's going to be able to relate to players. I think he's going to be able to get guys to come in there. I do not think this is going to be Lincoln Riley with USC in year one. Lincoln Riley is a better coach than Deion Sanders for what he can do and drop plays. But I do think in the long run, I think this is going to work for Deion. And I think Colorado is going to be a thorn in Utah's side for a few years to come. Yeah, you kind of got to look at some of the other rebuilds, the successful rebuilds that have taken place in the Pac-12 over the past few years. Number one, obviously, being um, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State in terms of long-term success, in terms of a gradual, like, real rebuild where he actually had to recruit players rather than giving them NIL money, which is kind of weird to say in this day and age. But I mean, that's how Jonathan, Jonathan Smith has run yes. his program. You know, they started off very slow. They made the bowl. They made a bowl game for the first time um, with him as head coach last season. And now this season, they're a top 15 football team. Um, and then you also got to look at Jed Fish at Arizona. Um, sure. Just in year or year two, it, it was this year, a four game four four win increase from last season where they were 11 and one, or I mean, one and 11, I'm sorry, but you look at these two other coaches and the way that the Pac-12 is kind of developing these coaches. And it's a really great um, list of coaches in this conference. You know, there's not really many weaknesses anymore. I think the two weaknesses are probably Stanford and Cal. Um, But outside of those, I mean, each team has a very respectable head coach, in my opinion, and it adds a lot of intensity in the conference, a lot more competitiveness, and it makes the conference top to bottom a lot stronger because, you know, Prime is going to bring in some very good recruits. He already said his son, Shador, will be transferring. He will likely be their quarterback. Uh, Jackson State just went undefeated uh, this past season. So, you know, uh, he's got some talent. Travis Hunter, the number one overall player in last year's class, played both sides for Jackson State. You got to expect that he'll be following as well. Um, So I don't know if there'll be a thorn in Utah side this year or next year, but I mean, following those seasons when prime has that chance to establish a culture and get the players that he wants in Colorado's program, um, it could definitely be something to keep an eye on because 
we've seen what Coach Prime has done at Jackson State in such a quick amount of time. Yeah. You know, I believe the record is 27 and five over three seasons. Just incredible. Um, obviously, now at Power Five, it's a lot more competitive, a lot more different, better athletes, better coaches you're competing against. But I mean, he's definitely got the credentials um, to back up what he's done so far. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he does at Colorado because it just adds so much more um, drama and intrigue to this conference, which is is which is pretty much in desperate need of it right now with uh, USC and UCLA leaving after uh, next season. Yeah, this is such a great point, too, for the future of this league because, man, that does make it makes every game Colorado plays that much more interesting. I mean, I don't know Colorado's first game of the season is next year off the top of my head, but I guarantee you it isn't. Wow. Then, yeah, I mean, obviously, first home game is Nebraska, so it's going to be packed. Wow. But yeah, him and Matt Rule, I mean, that's the two biggest college football hiring so far. And you just even speak to the potential of the conference. Um, Look with Stanford, by the time this releases later this week, they could have found someone that we're excited about as a head coach too. So it is interesting to see how it all is going to play out. And yeah, it was just, it's hard to turn around things in year one. I don't think there's the same level of NIL money too, as a UCLA has, but um, such a big thing I think with coaches is respecting them, buying into their system and believing in them. Every recruit is going to believe in what Deion Sanders can do. So it's just going to be interesting to see, can you offset Boulder is a really great place, but I think it's hard when Alabama and USC are going to come knocking, even Utah too, with all they've done to be like, I'm going to go to Colorado still, even if you can play right away. Now, sometimes that works. I think that's one of the things for Utah that made was that Clark Phillips found so appealing was he was able to come in and play right away. And I think some guys will still find that in Colorado, but I think Dion is going to have to continue to show and do some things and he's going to get talented players, but this is definitely a different rebuild. I agree with you. It's going to take a little bit longer. And I think the first year is going to be a frustrating one because I don't see him doing what Lincoln Riley did in getting this team to a Pac-12 championship because there's just too many holes to fill on the roster. And I know USC had a lot too, but with the way Lincoln Riley already had all those connections and knew all those guys. And yes, you already mentioned some of them that Link that Dion is going to bring over. It's just a different level. And it is a huge jump too from the level of competition those guys are playing from HBCU schools, which is an incredible, it's still an incredible conference and great competition, but the Pac-12 still as a league is a better league. We know that in terms of talent. So it's going to be tough for Dion in year one. I really do believe that. Yeah, I mean, you look at Cameron Ward, the Washington State quarterback, the jump that he made this past season. He played at Incarnate Word um, in FCS, which is also what Jackson State plays in. And, I mean, there were some holes in his game that we could see this season. Yeah. I mean, last year at Incarnate Word, he threw like 40 or had 47 total touchdowns, something along the like lines of that. like a draft prospect this year. Only 10 <laughs> interceptions. Yeah, he was looked at as one of the better quarterbacks in the transfer portal. And now this year, um, it was Washington State's defense that really took him over the top rather than mm -hmm. his play. Um, so there will definitely be some growing pains in Boulder in years one and two. Um, but I mean, you look at Arizona, like they brought in some fantastic recruits. Yeah. They had their best recruiting class in school history, along with their best recruit in school history last season after going one and 11 and that being Tetero McMillan, who's a freshman All-American, probably the best true freshman wide receiver in the entire nation. So I think it just makes this league so much better. And like I said, this league is in desperate need of some elite head coaches yes. with the departures of USC, UCLA, because I personally love the Pac-12. I want, I want the Pac-12 to live on. I wouldn't like to see... I wouldn't like to see it break up and Utah go to the Big 12. And, I mean, I saw things about Stanford going to the Big 10. Like, that would just be atrocious, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think we need to keep the, the core 10 together um, and possibly add a couple extras. But, I mean, adding prime to this already great list of head coaches is fantastic for this conference. You know, you had two or a few first-year first year head coaches in the conference last year, uh, the most notable ones being 
Dan Lanning and Kalen DeBoer at Oregon and Washington. Washington went from four and eight to 10 and two, very similar to the turnaround that USC had. And Oregon mm-hmm. obviously did their thing. Um, they're pr- arguably a top 10 team in the nation roster wise, and they're going to have a chance to prove it on the big stage when they play um, North Carolina, who has a very good quarterback in Drake May in their yeah. bowl game. So um, a lot of great head coaches, not to mention Kyle. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and adding prime just adds so much more intrigue um, week in and week out in this conference because Honestly, Colorado over these past couple of years has been kind of just looked at like a buy game. You know, they haven't been yeah. competitive whatsoever. It's been pretty much a free win for everyone in the conference. Um, so adding that extra um, competitive team is super big for Utah and everyone else, because when you can add an extra top 25 win on your on your resume, it's definitely the la- not the last thing you want. I mean, that's what exactly what you want, if anything, you know, because when you're competing against these other big name schools, Alabama, teams like that, that have a plethora of chances to get top 25 wins in conference uh, week in and week out. It just adds so much more value to the conference and the national perception of it. It really does. And it's kind of like, think about like when LeBron James ever signs with a new team, like they get more nationally televised games because he's LeBron James. It's exactly what's going to happen with Colorado and Deion Sanders. They're going to get a more nationally televised game. It adds intrigue to a conference using its two biggest brands for the longest time, just since going overall history and tradition in those two California schools, as you mentioned. So I think it's a great point by you and going to be interesting to see. We're going to come back in a moment and wrap this one up with a few more thoughts on the Pac-12 championship game, as well as the Rose Bowl for the Utes. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Simply Safe. At Lockdown Utes, we believe home should be where you and your family feel safest, especially over the holidays. This season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Lockdown Utes listeners 40% off a new security system but don't put this off here's what i love about simply safe it's a really easy to install system that was voted the number one best home security system of 2022 by u.s news and world report a third year in a row in an emergency 24 7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from simply safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get high priority police response with the tap of the top rated simply safe app you can stay complete of your system arm or disarm unlock for a guest access your camera or adjust system setting anytime anywhere don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system get 40 percent off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today that's simplysafe.com slash locked on college today there's no safe like simply safe also i want to tell you guys about the sponsor of this episode uccu guys uccu is offering a 15 month savings certificate with an incredibly high apy of 4.00 percent plus you can jump up to an even higher rate of return and during the life of your certificate. Guys, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but as you know, those interest rates and inflation, they're on the rise, as if we hadn't noticed. Well, here's the good news. UCCU is here to help and use this current rise in rates to your advantage. How do they do it? For a limited time, UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. What's a savings certificate? Is that like a savings account? They're similar, but a savings certificate is similar to a savings account. Both are great ways to earn a safe return on your money over time, but here's the difference. Savings accounts typically come with unlimited deposit and withdrawals but a savings certificate you just make one deposit and then let your money grow and grow and grow and grow and grow with a fixed rate of return that's much higher than a standard saving account how much higher let's just say a lot higher you can get one open for as little as five hundred dollars making this an awesome opportunity for every type of saver big and small they have a variety of options to help you maximize your savings so make sure you guys visit uccu.com to learn more and get a savings certificate today uccu love where you 
bank. Dante, obviously Utah fans love that Utah is returning to the Rose Bowl in this one. Got a great opportunity to take on a Penn State team. At a glance, I like Utah's chances in this one. I like think Coach Franklin has built a great program with Penn State. They always have players on the defensive side of the ball. Even though Sean Clifford has been up and down, and as you mentioned, they don't have those wins. Still a guy who's played in some big bowl games, done some things. I think this is another really fun game. I'm not expecting last year's Rose Bowl. Um, I know Utah's defense is going to be better than they were last year, even though we love you, Hi Bernard. Just love you on the offensive side of the ball. I think this is an awesome opportunity for Utah, and I can't wait to get the Rose Bowl underway. What are your initial thoughts on this matchup with the Utes taking on the Nittany Lions? Yeah, something that caught my eye. So obviously last year's Rose Bowl was 48-45. This year, the total for the game is set at 47.5 points. So they're expecting a very defensive matchup, and rightfully so, because, I mean, we've seen what Utah's defense has done over the later parts of the year. The most amount of points they've given up since the first USC game was Friday night, only 24 points. So they have been extremely stout, and Penn State as well. Their secondary is lights out. Obviously, they're going to be without Joey Porter Jr., arguably the best best corner in college football, which is a huge loss, but they got other dudes as well. Kalen King on the other side has been uh, very good for them this year. One of their safeties has been uh, lights out. Jair Brown, I believe his name is. He's been incredible. So, I mean, they got a lot of talent, and you got to look at the offensive side of the ball for them as well because where Utah kind of thrives in the trenches and at the tight end position, it's the running backs and the wide receivers that stick out to me for Penn State. Um, Their running back duo of Katrin Allen and Nicholas Singleton, they're both freshmen. They both have been incredible. Both of them have over 800 yards on the season. Nicholas Singleton has been one of the best freshman running backs in the land. So very interesting matchup to see how Utah's front seven will fare against those two. And at the wide receiver position, Parker Washington, their slot receiver, has been around for a few years now, and he's probably a top five slot receiver in the entire nation. One of the toughest outs in college football because he's so versatile he's extremely fast and he can also just make just incredible catches down the sideline over the middle just an elite weapon for this Penn State offense so there's definitely a lot of talent there Um, and I think this is kind of a clash of styles you know like I pointed out uh, Penn State really thrives at the running back position and the wide receiver position whereas Utah's more offensive line tight end oriented obviously Utah still got some fantastic players at those positions as well but I think that's where Penn State kind of has an edge and I think Utah definitely has an edge um, on the offensive line and the defensive line so it's going to be really interesting it's interesting to see how it plays out and obviously Sean Clifford for Penn State just want to get this out there he posted a picture of him at the Rose Bowl and he was like a little kid on Instagram earlier today so he obviously cares about this game you mm-hmm. know I feel like this is a game where we're going to get very minimal opt-outs this is Utah's second time going to the Rose Bowl for as great of a program as Penn State's been this is still only their fifth time going to the Rose Bowl so I mean yeah. both both these fan bases are really going to care. Both these programs are really going to care. It's a huge way to gain momentum in recruiting, heading into the offseason, and to just gain some momentum heading into heading into spring camp. Uh, this type of win is what gives your players that motivation to go out and do it again the following season. We saw it last year with Utah. Sure, they lost, but it was still a very good performance, a very um, fantastic game. And I think that was the motivating factor for a lot of these guys to return and play another season um, up on the hill. So. It's going to be interesting Interesting to see if that plays a similar factor this year. Um, we got a few guys such as Makai Bernard um, and Brand Keithy who can still return. Um, yeah. Might be unlikely. You know, they both kind of said that they're planning on this being their last – or what was the Colorado game being – or no, the Stanford game being their last yeah. home game. They both walked on senior night. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they end up coming back, things like that. So it's a huge game for both sides. Going to be a fantastic matchup and just simply can't wait. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be a lot of fun to break it down, too. I mean, Dante, even last week, we were talking about how if Utah was able to make it to the Rose Bowl, I was hope we were kind of hoping it wasn't Ohio State because we felt like C.J. Stroud was going to opt out. He's not going to anymore because you're welcome, Ohio State fans, now that you're in the college football playoff because of Utah. So either way, it's going to be a great Rose Bowl now. Can't wait to break it down. And Dante will definitely have, be having you on before then to talk about it more. So make sure you guys follow at Dante Guardi on Twitter. Keep an eye on Dante's work with Ute Zone, too, updating quarterback ranking still for the conference you're going to do one more 
I might, you know, I might. Uh, definitely Utes in the NFL this week was a huge week. Brayton Covey, like, I don't know what Ooh. got into him. But, I mean, he looked like a completely different player. I think he had his four longest punt returns of the season all on Sunday's game against uh, the Titans, a big win for the Eagles. And obviously Tyler Huntley leading that game-winning drive mm-hmm. against the Broncos uh, in what was a crucial AFC matchup. So a lot of Utes in the NFL to cover. Um, quarterback rankings might do, might not, because, I mean, only two quarterbacks played in the conference this week. So it's a little bit tougher. Um, and I don't think there was much much movement there. You know, Caleb Williams had yeah. a fantastic season. Um, he had a very gutsy performance Friday night and still yes. had a tremendous stat line, still made some Heisman-worthy plays. Cam obviously had a fantastic game, but personally, I don't think it's fair to say that Cam's on that type of level. He hasn't had that 100%. production of Caleb. You know, yes. I mean, he is my Heisman winner. I don't really think there should be too much debate about that. Right. Max Duggan, uh, very similarly to Caleb, had a very gutsy performance, a very – um, awesome performance, if you will. I think Caleb still played better in his game, though. I mean, I still think if you Agreed. break down the film, the good plays from Caleb were a lot better than the good plays from Max Duggan. Max Duggan made some clutch plays down the stretch, but there were also some very bad throws. You know, he had a bad interception in the end zone, whereas Caleb Williams, sure, he had, he did have a bad interception also, but that was kind of at a desperation point in the game. Yes. Whereas early in the game, I mean, he was carving up this Utah defense. There were some busted coverages, but, I mean, there were a handful of throws where he was getting – um, hit pretty hard by some Utah defensive linemen, and he was still able to make just a spectacular throw. So Caleb Williams is my Heisman. Cam Rising yep. obviously had a fantastic season as well. Definitely a top ten, arguably top five quarterback in the conference, and um, we get to see we get to see him play one more time against a very good Penn State defense. So hopefully he can he can play lights out like he did on Friday night, and we uh, get to take on that first first Rose Bowl in school history. It would be incredible. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about it. So appreciate you as always for joining us, Dante. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you check out Locked On Sports Today, the take of the day, the biggest games, the biggest recaps. It's all available for you on Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube, audio, or Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcast. That's going to do it for today's Locked On Utes, but we'll see you tomorrow.